You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Hey, what's up? Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are, whenever you're watching, we want to take a second before we get started to simply say welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Like, it's the internet. You could have been anywhere you wanted, and you're choosing to spend your time with us. Thank you so much. For real, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. If you don't know me, that's okay. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge. If you don't know Refuge either, that's also okay, primarily because we are actually a new church plant, meaning we are a brand new church uh, located here in Southeast Austin, serving Austin at large. As a church, we exist to make disciples that shape our communities with the love of Jesus. Okay, we believe Jesus, his love, his message changes lives. And those changed lives bring very real change to our communities. Okay, if you want to be a part of that change, whether in your life or in your community, I want to encourage you, jump into the video description, hit the connection link, that's going to pop up a little form, send that form into us, and we would love to connect with you, love to get to know you more, get to know uh, how we could pray for you, how we could serve you. We'd also love to send you a little bit of information about who we are, what we do, and our vision for the city and for your life, inviting you to get involved in the transformation of, of our communities today. Okay, so we're excited to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Uh, we are excited to connect with you. Now, on to the task at hand right now. Uh, right now, you know what time it is. We're fixing to jump into my favorite time of the week. I hope it's becoming one of your favorite times in the week, our time in the scriptures, all right? And today, we're doing something a little different. Uh, we're doing our standalone sermons. So, so all that means is that these are not connected to a specific sermon series, but rather, uh, they are things coming from my heart, coming from our other pastor, Sean's heart. And today is extra different because if you notice, I just have like a paper Bible. Usually, I would have like an iPad that I'm reading from with like a bunch of different notes and stuff. Uh, these are my notes today, kicking it old school. Um, and here's why, because I want to share something that is deep in my heart today. Um, if you're anything like me, this has been kind of a roller coaster week emotionally for you. Maybe it was the election. If I'm being honest, for me, it wasn't really the election. The election kind of, I'm a little bit of a politics nerd. And so the election has this kind of uh, Super Bowl type energy to it for me. What for me really what was the thing that made it a roller coaster week was that in the election coverage, so many of the themes that have made 2020 difficult were were brought back into clear view, brought back into the forefront. Right? It was almost like a, a culmination of all the things that have made 2020 hard. And so the, in the in the coverage, it was a constant bringing back up of things like COVID, the economic crisis, uh, social injustice, uh, immigration issues, all these different things bring, being brought back into the forefront. And I'm not going to lie, it, it was just a roller coaster because one minute there was all the excitement and fun and, and all the, what, what I like to describe as like pageantry of the election, followed by all these really deep down moments where I was considering all the things that have really made this year so incredible incredibly hard. And here's the thing, when you start to dwell, when, when you start to realize how much we've all gone through this year, right, what we're experiencing, what we're continuing to experience in a lot of ways, um, it's easy to start realizing that it's probably had more of an impact on you than, than you realize. 
And one of the biggest ways I see it impacting me, and, and I believe it's probably impacting you in the same way if you're anything like me, is that when we're faced with this sea of chaos, oftentimes it can create a kind of haze in the vision of our heart. Meaning it, when we're confronted with all of these, these harsh and painful realities, we can begin to lose sight of where we're going, right? Confronted with the reality of where we are. I look at the presidential election even this year, and the reality is all these hard things are in front of us. And if you were one of the millions of Americans that voted, then what you were doing was choosing one of these candidates in order to lead our country through this sea of chaos, through all these hard things over the next four years. You wanted to pick someone that was going to lead you through it. Here's the thing. When we're confronted with these hard realities, when we begin to lose, our heart begins to lose vision of where we're going, one of the other dangers is that we can oftentimes forget who is it that's actually leading us through, who's actually the one that's leading us to where we're going. I say all that to say this. Friends, if you're a part of Refuge's launch team, I want to remind you of a fact. We're planting a church. You, right there, you watching, you and me, Together, all of us together as a team, we are planting a church. We're planting Refuge Community Church here in South Austin. And we're doing that so that we can walk through this community. We can be in this community. We can be in the community here and in, in, in where you live amongst your family, inviting people that are experiencing brokenness, that are experiencing hurt, that are experiencing pain into the new life and the new hope that we have when our lives are in Jesus' hands and our heart is in Jesus' hands. That's what we're doing. That's where we're going. And here's the thing, friends. We have a leader who's taking us there. We have a leader who's working through the hard realities that are in front of us, through that sea of chaos, in order to deliver us where he has called us to go in planting this church. And that leader's name is not Josh. It starts with a J, but it ain't Josh. That leader's name is Jesus. Colossians 1 says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. When we think about who's leading us through these difficult times, right? who's leading us to the vision that we have, where we're going as a church, Jesus is the answer. He's the one leading us. He's the one making a way. We have entrusted our lives. We have entrusted our church plant to Jesus' hands, entrusting him to lead us through this season with all of its hardships, with all of its up and downs. Here's the thing. In order for us to truly believe that we're going to get where he has called us to, the biggest thing we have to do is know who's getting us there, to know Jesus. And that's the point of today. I want to reintroduce us to our leader. That's all. That's all today's about. I want to reintroduce us to the one that's leading this church. I want to reintroduce us to Jesus. How do we do that? Well, we're going to go to John. John chapter 1, we're going to be working through four verses, verses 14 through 18. And what I want to do here is I want to build almost like a profile of Jesus. Build a profile of who he is and what he's done. Build a profile of who our leader is. And I want to do that with three points. The first point is that I want us to know that Jesus is with us. <coughs> I want us to know that Jesus is with us. The second point is I want, to know, I want us to know that Jesus is gracious. Okay, that Jesus is gracious. And the third is I want us to know that God is good. 
It's with this profile of our leader, with this profile of Jesus that I want to then use for us to begin to see what we have, where we're going as a church over the next six months or so. Refuge, we're going to be on the move. I'm just letting you know right now. I have a couple of announcements, some things I want to share with you at the end of the sermon. We're going to be on the move. We need to know who our leader is so that we can accurately see the vision of where he's taking us over the next six months or so. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. And I want to dive in. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I hope you are as well. Let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to be in John chapter one, again, reading verses 14 through 18. I'm reading the CSB. You can read whatever version of the Bible you want, but the CSB is going to be the thing on the screen. So there's that. Starting in verse 14, it starts like this. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Sorry. No one has ever seen God. The one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side has revealed him. Amen. Hey, before we jump in, I want to give us a little bit of context, a little bit of background, not too much, but uh, a little bit of background, a little context to the gospel of John. And really that name tells us everything we need to know, right? The gospel of John is what? A gospel. Okay, what is the gospel? It's an eyewitness account of the earthly ministry and life of Jesus. That's what this is. It is an eyewitness account of Jesus' life here on earth. So who wrote this eyewitness account? Well, this eyewitness account was collected and written by one of the apostles, one of the original disciples, John. Okay, so so when I say one of the original disciples, I mean one of the original 12 disciples, not just a part of the bigger group that was following him, but this is one of the OG 12 disciples. And so when you read about John and James, his brother, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is actually who you're reading about, this John. Not only was he a part of the 12, but John and his brother James were actually both a part of an inner circle within the 12 that included John, who were oftentimes invited into like these really intimate spaces with Jesus that the other disciples weren't even invited into. And so it's really no wonder that this gospel, the gospel of John, has this sense of intimacy in it has this sense of intimacy with it that's almost unique to John. Yes, the other Gospels have intimacy in them, uh, friendship, closeness in them, but it's in this Gospel, John, that almost has this unique intimacy. In fact, it's John that describes himself in his Gospel as the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So there is this tightness, this love, this affection, this closeness with John. At the end of John, Jesus actually asked John to take care of his mother, after he's gone. And so, I mean, there is literally this closeness. And so it makes sense that the beginning of this gospel has almost like this more intimate introduction than the other ones. Yeah, the other ones give this introduction of, of how Jesus was born and the, the nativity, the Christmas story and all that good stuff. But, but John wants to take us even further back. John wants us to know it wasn't at that moment that Jesus was introduced into the world. You see, in John 1, 1, John starts by letting us know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John wants us to know right from the outset that in the beginning, before everything was created, Jesus was already there. And Jesus was with God. In fact, Jesus was God. 
And so to his readers, he wants them to know that in the first century, in Jerusalem and in Judea and in that part of the world, if you happen to walk by Jesus and his disciples and you saw the carpenter from Galilee that everyone was making a big ruckus about, you didn't just see a regular first century carpenter. You were looking at the eternal God from eternity past walking amongst us. That's what you saw when you saw Jesus. That's where John starts. But here's the thing. John's gospel is about Jesus' life here on earth. And I got to say, that's a long distance between those two points. There's a long distance between the God who existed before all creation and first century Jewish carpenter walking around doing miracles. There's a long space in time there. And John is going to get there starting here in our text in verse 14. So in order to help us understand, hey, Jesus was actually existing before the world began. He's always existed. He is actually God. Here's how he got to the earth. John wants us to know that in verse 14, the way that happened was that the word God became flesh. Meaning that the word, the ever existing, all powerful, eternal God chose to become fragile humanity. In Jesus' earthly body. That that was his choice. He wants us to know that Jesus is with us. The word became flesh. Jesus is with us. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, the word became flesh and went and dwelt among us. And dwelt among us. This is critical language to pick up on because to the original readers of the Gospel of John, this would actually signal a couple of really important things, primarily with the word dwelt. See, that word dwelt is a Greek word, the Greek word eskonosin, and what it means literally is, is the word tabernacled, meaning a more literal translation of this text would be the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And if that word tabernacle makes sense to you, uh, if it sounds familiar to you, it, it probably is because you heard it or have heard it in reference to the book of Exodus, way back in the Old Testament. The book of Exodus in, in the wilderness, when the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, would set up a mobile resting place for God's presence and glory among them, and they called it the tabernacle. So, so what John is doing is connecting all those centuries before the tabernacle in the wilderness, God's resting place amongst Israel, and Jesus dwelling, his tabernacling among us, among humanity. Now, why is that important? Because in order for us to understand how critical that is, we have to understand what the book of Exodus is actually all about. You see, the book of Exodus is actually the story of God's great rescue of the people of Israel. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses, the main figure throughout the book of Exodus, is actually met by God in a burning bush. You've probably all heard this story, right? Way old school OGs got the Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston, yeah. Uh, we got the Prince of Egypt, right? The new school cats. But, and then there's that like, that one super crazy one. We don't got to talk about that one. But in, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, it starts by saying and introducing us to the book of Exodus, 
like this. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm. What John wants us to see is that one, the same God that heard the cries of his people and decided to come down and engage to redeem and to rescue, to stay and, and to, to be with them is now the same God that has entered into the story of humanity after hearing the cries of people and has entered into the story to redeem and restore and to dwell once again. What this means and what makes it beautiful, friends, is that when we say the phrase, Jesus is with us, what John wants us to see, what he's helping us understand is that when, when we say Jesus is with us, we're saying something that is not just true now, but something that has been perpetually true since the beginning of time. Hear me, there has never, if you are a follower of Jesus, someone elected, seen, chosen, right, from the beginning of time, there has literally never been a moment where the reality that Jesus is with you has not been true. The same Jesus, the same God that was with Israel, redeeming and restoring and rescuing them out, is now the same God who has come into the earth in order to redeem and rescue. Where was Jesus between first century Judaism, first century, I mean, Israel and, and the beginning of time? He was, in, he was in the story of humanity. He was with us. He was the one that, that entered in and spoke to Moses. He was the one that humbled the heart of, the, of the, the Egyptian Pharaoh. He was the one that ripped the Red Sea from left to right. He was the one that led the people through the Red Sea on dry land. He was the one that was present in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Jesus is with us. He always has been. And friends, he always will be. Jesus is with us. The, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Come on, I'm fired up. Why is that so powerful? What does that mean? Right, well, I, that's what kind of brings us to the next point, right? Because you hear that. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you know a lot about Jesus, then you're like, yeah. But if you don't know a lot about Jesus, and you're like, what does that matter? Well, it matters because not only is Jesus with us, but Jesus is with us and Jesus is gracious, right? You, you finish off that verse where it says, hey, we observed his glory. Well, who's the glory? The glory of Jesus or the glory of God? Well, yes, same thing. The glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. But when you jump down to 16, it starts like this. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, this is another chunk of text that, that kind of hyperlinks us back to Exodus, that we have to know the background of Exodus in order to know what John wants us to see, what he wants us to grab from this. He starts out here in 16 by saying, indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. Whose fullness? From Jesus' fullness. But what is he full of? Here's the thing. He's full of God's grace and truth. He's full of God's grace and truth. Why? Because he is God. And here's the thing. 
how do we know that that's powerful? What do we know about that? Well, it's connected to this chunk that says, for the law was given through Moses. You see, this whole section is connected again, uh, like I mentioned, to Exodus in Exodus 34. In Exodus 34, it actually tells the story of, of God giving the law, the Ten Commandments, to Moses. And when he gives the Ten Commandments to Moses, God actually reveals his name to Moses. And when he reveals his name to Moses, he tells Moses a bit about himself. And check out what it says. In verse 5 in Exodus 34, it says, The Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, and abounding in faithful love and truth. Here's the thing, friends. That word faithful love can easily be translated to grace and truth as well. It is, it is almost exactly the same type of thing. So really, what Jesus, what John wants to see is that Jesus, the fullness of the God that was present and giving the law to Moses, yet the same God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in grace and truth, in that fullness, that fullness, I should say, is now in Jesus. And through the fullness of Jesus, we have been given grace and on grace. What does that mean? It means that, friend, you have been freed from the liability, from the weight, from the burden of proving yourself to yourself, to others, to God, to anyone. Here's what it especially means. It especially means that, that because Jesus has existed before everything and because Jesus is at the end of time, there was never a moment in your life or in his vision of the world where you were supposed to prove who you were to yourself or to him. Meaning there was never a moment where you were ever meant to justify your worth, your dignity, your value before God that was not, there was never a moment you were supposed, it was ever in your hands. It was always meant to be an act of God's abundant, abundantly gracious character. It was always meant to be that from Exodus, from Genesis, from before creation to the end of time. The, the idea was always meant to be that you would learn how much you were worth, not by what you could prove to yourself, to others, or to God, but as God took the cross in order to see you redeemed and restored. When we see the love of God freely given to us through the person of Jesus, it is the testimony that from eternity past to eternity future, God has seen you and he has redeemed you and and he has rescued you because he has chosen in his wisdom and in his grace to love you. Jesus is gracious. I'm trying to reel it in, guys. I'm sorry. Jesus is gracious. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through who? Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. And what does all this point to? John is doing this really great work of showing us, hey, look at Jesus and look at how he moves because, because God is being revealed in Jesus. But here's the thing. In the last verse, we also get the inverse, right? That, that Jesus is also revealing God. That, that Jesus is revealing God. In the last verse, 
we have this, this realization that all this points to the truth that God is good. Why? Because in verse 18, it says, no one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side. He, Jesus, has revealed him. Here's what's cool about this. Here's what's really cool about this. Right after 18 in verse 19, it goes into the actual story of Jesus' earthly ministry. From here on out, there's no longer going to be these big, these big theological uh, uh, depictions of pre-creation and Jesus' you know, cosmic nature as God. It's going to be stories about who Jesus was on earth. And the last thing that John wants you to know is that everything you're going to read from this verse on is meant not just to show you who Jesus is, it's meant to show you who God is. Because everything from this point on is going to be Jesus, the Son, who is himself God, revealing God to us. And so here's the beautiful part. For the rest of this this book, you're going to see Jesus get down eye to eye level with blind people and heal them. The ones who are far off, you're going to see Jesus pursue them and love them and bring them near. You're going to see Jesus reach into the fringes of society to minister and to bring in Samaritans who were cast off as like, like, like just the scum of the earth. You're going to take, you're going to see him look at, at an adulterous woman ready to be stoned by religious leaders and see him wrap her with compassion and grace. You're going to see Jesus show you that the character of God that has existed since the eternity, since eternity past is a character of grace and compassion. It's a character of love. It's why, it's why we would later find out that John literally telling us that God is love. And no wonder he would have written that in his letters when he looked at Jesus in the flesh and understood that this Jesus has shown me God's character. And the only thing I've ever seen him do is love people. Friend, that's God to you. Not meaning that that there's like some subjective you can choose, meaning that Jesus has revealed who God is and God is loving. And that means that if Jesus is with you and that he is gracious, likewise, God is with you. God is, is, is gracious. And here's the thing. God loves you. He treats you with kindness. He forgives you. When we run, he goes out and grabs us. When we're low, he comes down to our level. That's the character of God shown in the actions of Jesus throughout the pages of John. That's what he wants us to see, that God is good. And here's the most beautiful part. At the end of the book, not only do we see God acting in power and love, but John wants us to know that it's also Jesus hanging on the cross that shows us the character of God. That when Jesus was arrested and spit on and beaten, it wasn't that he could not escape, but it was that God was actively, 
actively in the middle of the great rescue plan for his creation, that Jesus was voluntarily giving himself so that he could be crucified, so that we who were afar off through him could now be brought near as sons and daughters of God. You want to talk about a leader? We just tried to elect a president, no matter who you voted for. We tried to elect a president, or we elected president, whatever the case is. We elected a leader that we desire to lead for us and to lead us through and to lead us into where we're going. This is who we follow. This is our leader. This is our leader, one who would lay down his life for the sake of his people, who would leave glory and come down to the brokenness of earth so that we who are in the brokenness of earth could now be welcomed in to glory. That's the story of Jesus. That's who Jesus has revealed God to be in his own life. Friend, the story of the cross is a story of God's rescue plan from eternity past, saving his children, hearing the cries of his people and entering into their brokenness so that he could deliver us and put us where we could never afford to be on our own. That's the story of Jesus. And friends, hear me. That's also our example. That's who we, that's our leader. That's who we're following. That's what he's done for us. But that's also now our example. He's also the one that we're following and modeling our life after. And so guess what, friends? We're called now also to step into the brokenness. We're now also called to step into the pain to step into the muck, to step into the hurt, to step into those places, and now inviting others to to follow and see and taste and see the goodness of God in their own lives. That's what we're called to. That's why we're planting this church. That's why we're planting refuge, because we're modeling our life after this Jesus. We're modeling our life after our leader. And here's the thing, friends. Here's the thing. I'm convinced and I'm convicted that Jesus is calling us to follow him now. Okay. Anyone that was a part of our launch team, if you were a part of our launch team back in, whatever that was, April, um, then you know that in April, we shut down pretty much all of our operations, moved everything online in response to COVID, uh, in response to uh, COVID to just, just to keep us safe, to be wise, to try and do the best thing that we could do for, for us as a church, for us as a young church plant. We, uh, we, we try to act in wisdom. And, and I don't think we did a bad job. I stand by the decisions that we've made, even up to this point. But eight months in, um, I, I want to tell you that I, I'm convinced that I, I believe our leader is taking us in, in a different direction now. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, December 6th, uh, we are actually going to have our first of what I hope is um, a good amount uh, of outdoor services, a monthly outdoor services uh, at City School on Terry Road. The first of each month with the exception of January, which will be the second Sunday, the first Sunday of each month in January, the second Sunday of each month, we're going to be having outdoor services uh, where we're going to come together We're going to worship together. And here's the thing. We're going to invite the community to join us in worshiping Jesus. Now, hear me. We're going to do this wisely. We're going to do this smart. Okay? Y'all know I take COVID seriously. So we're going to be smart. We're going to be wise. We're going to take all the precautions necessary. In fact, you're going to get an email this week from me detailing everything that we're doing in order to protect ourselves and be wise making this decision. But I also want you to know that we're going to move forward like this, and it's not going to be a launch team meeting. Meeting, meaning we are actually going to be setting up 
signage. We're going to be setting up uh, kind of like a, a, a not platform, but like a stage to lead worship in, to preach. We're going to have kind of like a scaled down kids ministry. We're, we're building a youth ministry right now as we speak. We want to make a space. We want to prepare a space to model our lives after Jesus and preparing a space for people to come to worship, to taste and see, and to know that God is good, to meet Jesus. That's what we want to do. And here's the thing, friends. Here's the thing. We need you. We need you. If you are part of Refuge's launch team, we are moving. We are going to move in the direction that we desire to move in in April. We're going to do it now. Some of the cases in Austin are a little bit slower right now. It's a good time. We're going to push the ball down the field. If you don't know what football is, you know how it's played. It means we're moving forward. All right? We, We need you. Right? What the Lord desires to do in our life, where he wants to take us, it requires you. Because here's the thing, the Lord is Jesus, God is working in the world through the church, but the church has a name and the church's name is you. Put in your name, insert you, right? You are the means, we are the means. His people are the means by which we are then sent out as communities of people that declare the goodness of God, not just declaring it as empty, hollow promises, but our lives being the testimony of what God does with brokenness as he repairs it and makes us whole. We may not be rich or we may be rich. We may not be in perfect health or we may be in perfect health. The testimony of our lives as we go out and lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel is that we have been made whole and given the promise of hope that we now are so incredibly incredibly invested in that we now offer it to anyone who will hear. We need you for that. We need you for that. And so here's the thing couple of ways that we we would love to see you get involved specifically. Okay, one, the first thing is I would love for you already to start preparing your heart to serve. As I mentioned, these aren't going to be aren't going to be launching meetings, it's going to be church services. So we're going to be setting up signage and and kind of preparing a place for again people to worship and come and join us to to invite people from our community and people that we've been reaching out to. That's the goal. And again, we need you to do that. And we need you to make that happen. And so what I want you to do right now is start preparing your heart to serve. We'll have, again, opportunities to set up things like welcome tables or to set up things like like PA, set up and tear down, uh, a kids ministry, kind of a scaled down version of kids ministry. Um, yeah, signage set up, all these different areas that we're doing. Okay, so start preparing your heart to serve. You'll get an email, again, from me detailing everything out, but you'll also get various emails from me and Sean uh, about serving teams and about what that'll look like as we move toward December 6th. The second thing is I want you to start preparing your heart through prayer. Okay, prepare your heart through prayer. Pray for me. Okay, pray for Sean as the shepherds of our church. Pray for each other, but also pray for our community. Pray for the people that we're going to see come to those church services. Pray for the people that are going to come, that are going to come to know Jesus. Begin to prepare your heart through prayer. I am convinced that, that where the Lord is taking us is a good place. That where God is leading us is a good place. Where he is going, the place where he's taking us is going to be a place where we're able to see beautiful things happen in this community as we see lives change and our communities shaped and transformed with the love of Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's why we exist. I believe it's time for us to pursue that. Hey, if we're unable 
to keep having outdoor services in three months or something, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But here's the thing. It's about following the Lord's lead right now, and I believe this is where he is taking us. Okay, so I'm excited. What I want to do right now is I want to pray um, over what we talked about today, pray over these upcoming um, services that we'll be having, and then in, come back and, and let us worship, respond to the word and worship, and then come back and give a final blessing. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much again for, for Jesus. Thank you, God, that the example is set in that Jesus has come and pursued us, that he's with us as he entered into the world, uh, entered into the brokenness of the earth and humanity so that we could be saved, so that we could have new life in you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Father, I pray for our church plant that that, that would be the bedrock of everything we do moving forward, moving forward whether it's outdoor services launching in the future next year, uh, whether it is outreach events, whether it's personal evangelism, whether it's simply uh, praying for the person in the house next to us. I ask that everything we do would be motivated by the truth that you are gracious, that you are with us, that you are good. God, that would be the fuel and the motivation of our hearts. And in the moments when we encounter the fears and, and the murkiness and the haziness that the current hard realities try to confront us with, that we, even when we can't see where we're going, would cling to the vision of who's taking us there, and that is you. We love you, we thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith.